I want to celebrate something with you guys right now. If it's your first time here, you may not know this, but we weren't really planning as a church to purchase land during a pandemic. That doesn't seem like the best thing to do, but God opened a door to where we purchased 14 acres of land about a mile from right here uh, in May. And we had commitments that said, okay, we're going to get this land paid off within the next 12 months. And coming into today's services, we were $600 away from being debt, oh, wait, 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 not yet, $600 away from being debt-free on the land, and first service, somebody claimed it. They're like, nope, that's mine. I get to finish it. I'm writing the check right now. We are debt-free on our land. How amazing is that? Oh, my goodness. I, like, it's the generosity, uh, the provision of God from other churches, from other people, uh, people who just heard about what we've been doing and they wanted to encourage and wanted to see more of what we're doing in the city happen, who just given and given and made this happen. And the generosity, it has just shook up my heart. And this last week, I was actually walking through the land, um, trying not to step on any snakes because it's 14 acres of forest right now. And I'm walking through and just praying and just asking God, will you just clarify just the vision? Like, what do you want us to do here? And God just reaffirmed. And I, I want, you may, if it's your first time here, this might be your first time hearing this. This should be just some reaffirmation stuff to you guys. But when God opens the door for us to have a permanent building to worship in, I believe that one of the staples for us is going to be we're going to have a preschool where we see children who are learning that God loves them from an early age. That is a foundation for whatever they step into in an elementary school. They're going to already be rooted in the fact that God so loves me that he sent his son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And, and that will be a bedrock for those children as they grow up in their life. I believe that as we have that facility for us to worship in on Sunday, that every day of the week, it should be a blessing to our city. I believe that we should have and we will have an after-school program so that kids who would be going home to an empty house will have tutoring available to them and have a safe place to be until mom and dad get off of work. And that needs to be something that we do to impact our city. I believe that our student ministry is gonna have a place to better reach our city and reach more students for Christ because of the building that we're gonna have. I believe that we strategically need to step into the area of reaching people who are moving down here to retire because we know retirees are just big children with no job and no school, right? Like they need some care, they need a place and we need to be intentional about how we're reaching them and designing services that will impact them and encourage them to use this chapter of their life to the glory of God. I believe that having a permanent facility is gonna open up one of the major doors that I believe it's gonna open is we're gonna help establish a Spanish congregation that is gonna reach into that segment of our population that English is not their primary language. And I can say all of those different categories of ministry and maybe it flies by but I'm going to tell you when I say them to you I can see faces I can see the child who needs help I can see the Spanish family adapting to life in a new culture needing a place to worship and I can see people who are going to be transformed by the message of the gospel because we have planted seeds and God has opened a door and these life transformations that we're going to get to see and the life, tra life transformations we've got to see in the history of the church so far, 
I want to make sure your vision is clear that that dials back to someone else's generosity. Because other people gave, Gulfside Church was able to get planted here. Because you gave, you're going to touch lives and generations that you may never get to see. Generosity is so crucial within the life of the church. And I'm going to actually be speaking on generosity. I don't speak on finances much here. So I hope you give me permission to step into that area. And if you don't, I'm going to do it anyway because I have the microphone and you don't. So this is where we're going today. But I want to tell you that as I study the life of Jesus, you can't help but talk about this area because Jesus spoke about it so much. When you look at his parables, the 39 recorded parables that we have, do you, did you recognize that 11 of them touched on the area of finances? So more than 25% of the time, Jesus was meddling in your business, getting into how you manage money. Why would he do that? Why, why would he spend time getting into the, that area? Let me compare it to this. Let's just say in a relationship, the lady of the relationship is holding her man's phone. And while she's holding that phone and it's unlocked, it buzzes, it beeps, and a picture pops up from some lady named Lisa. And Lisa ain't his mama's name. Lisa ain't his sister's name. But now she wants to talk about Lisa all of a sudden. Because Lisa showed up making a duck face picture like, I don't know why that's sexy. Like, I don't know why that's encouraged in our world. They're like the purse the lip thing together. But it shows up like that, and she's like, we need to talk about Lisa, right? We wouldn't go on. We wouldn't pretend like, oh, maybe the problem will go away if I just kind of pretend it didn't happen for a month or three months, and I just ignore the problem. That's not going to fix it. Like, you know that she would know and he would know it's time to talk about Lisa. Lisa's name's going to come up. When she's sleeping at night, she's going to be talking about Lisa in her sleep, yelling about Lisa in her sleep, because Lisa's not supposed to be in her man's heart. Like, that is her position. Nobody else's. There's a conversation that would immediately occur. And I want to tell you why Jesus speaks into the area of money so frequently is because we so frequently allow the topic, the concept the, the issue of money to sneak into a space in our heart that should only be for God. When we begin to find our security in life, in our financial resources, we are putting money in a place where God should be. When the primary thing that drives our schedule is how can I get more money, and it's not about how can I make a difference in my family and in my city. When money drives our motives, it is crept into a place that is supposed to be reserved for God. And, and Scripture teaches us clearly, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both money and God. He draws the line in the sand. And so he speaks into this frequently, so you can't study Jesus' teaching without getting into finances. So I can't teach to you clearly through Scripture without bumping into it now and then. And so I want to impress upon you that we've got to look at this time and time again. And I want to applaud you because there are some congregations where the pastor needs to get a paddle and just whoop some people because they don't understand generosity. And because of that, their church suffers and their city suffers. We need to be a generous church, not so that we can buy land and build buildings. We need to be a generous church so that we can impact our city for the cause of Christ. All right? And so churches who are struggling in that, they do need to get taken to the woodshed about it because they don't understand the impact that generosity has. 
You guys have gone above and beyond, and I am so encouraged, but I want to fan and to fire the type of generous church that we need to be with the people that God has given us that surround our life. And so we're going to study a couple different passages. If you're taking notes, you're going to have to write down because I'm going to reference a lot of passages. But our main passage for today is a very, very simple text from Proverbs, chapter 11, verses 24 through 25. And we'll put this on the screen as I read it. Starting in verse 24, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, this is the first thing, that generosity is instructed in Scripture. You could even say that it is commanded in Scripture to be generous. And I want you to hear me clearly on this because you're like, He's pushing at tithes, he's pushing. I'm not even just talking about tithes, though that's part of it. I'm not talking about your giving to the church, though that's part of it. I'm talking about in the scope of your life, when you have the opportunity to be generous, you are called to be generous. That when you see a need, I don't believe that the scriptural instruction is direct them towards a food bank. I believe the scriptural instruction is that when you have the opportunity, you should meet that need. And one of the first things about giving is that there's this truth that one person, they give freely and, and they're generous. And it seems like that as they give more, they should run out. But what ends up happening in God's economy, in the kingdom of God, is that as he sees that you are a generous person and you are trustworthy with the resources that he's given you, he will replenish those because God isn't about just lifting up a person. He's about seeing compassion flow through his body, the church. And as he sees that he can entrust you with that, he's gonna continue to replenish what you use for the kingdom of God. But what what ends up happening is that one person, it's like they give and they give, but God continues to entrust more to them. And Jesus, as he taught, he tried to instill generosity in lots of different ways. He, he, he talked about it in Matthew 23, 23, that yes, giving to, the, to, giving to the temple, giving to the church is important. He reaffirms the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. In Matthew 17, he even clarified for those who wanted to know the details. Yes, you do need to give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God's what is God's. You do need to give taxes. And that's part of honoring God in our finances. In Matthew 18, he uses finances as an illustration for different, different servants that were entrusted with different, uh, with different responsibilities, but they were given a talent. And then they were to use that, they were to multiply it, and then there was a time of accountability to their master where they talked about how did you use what was entrusted to you? And I want, I want to theologically clarify for us in the room. there's in scripture what's called the white throne judgment and that judgment talks about salvation. Have your sins been forgiven? Have you asked God for for forgiveness? Are you in a right relationship with him? And scripture also talks about what's referred to as the Bema seat judgment where our actions will be shown for whether they, they were for the kingdom of God, pure of motive, or if they were selfish. And it describes this celebration that happens, that God will actually reward those who lived for the kingdom of God. And in in line with that Bema seat judgment that we will one day stand before God and give an account for how we used what he entrusted to us, 
it runs parallel with his passage of the talents and the servants. And so I want to make sure that I live my life. I want to make sure that my children live their life. I want to make sure that you live your life with an understanding that there will be a day of accountability and celebration for the things that you do for the kingdom of God. The choices that you make matter. Not just today, but forever. And one day in God's presence, you will give an account for your accounting. And if you're accounting, you know, going back back to Lisa, like you may not have another woman in your life, but your checkbook might be in love with other things so much that you might have like a Lisa of a BMW that has now restricted you from being able to be generous to anyone else. You may have engaged in a relationship with a house that is so big that you can barely afford, but your ego wanted it so bad that you tied yourself to it. And there are times where we have to make difficult choices to say, you know what, if I want to be able to be generous when God gives me the opportunity, then I'm going to have to downsize this house, downsize this car, I'm going to have to stop purchasing boats, like whatever it is that you find yourself getting addicted to, if it's the latest Jordans that just have your affection and you're like, I know I should help feed the starving children, but the new shoes. And I want to tell you that there is a place that God has positioned you specifically where you have an opportunity, you will in the course of these next two months, this holiday season as we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas, you will have the opportunity, you will see a need and you will have the capacity to be generous but it might cost you a comfort. And I want to encourage you that that is a beautiful act of worship. When you say, I want to meet this need but it's going to cost me something that I wanted to do but I know that I want to honor God. I want to meet this need. And the thing that I've found is that when we step out like that and we begin to fulfill our purpose, God always refills what we give. He always honors our our sacrifice. I want to give you this quote from John MacArthur that that stuck in my heart. He, He said, God made all of his creatures to give. He made the sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the earth, the plants to give. He also designed his supreme creation, man, to give. But fallen man is the most reluctant giver in all of God's creation. All of creation has a job to do. I want to make sure you know you have a job to do as well. And part of that job is generosity. Each one of us is called to give generously and to give freely. And when scripture says give freely, I want to I say this way, giving with a sense of freedom, free from fear that you won't have enough because God's going to provide, free from reluctance or, or a sense of obligation of understanding this is a joy to get to give. We're, we're called to give without the pastor twisting our arm about giving, just being self-propelled into it saying, I see the need, God has enabled me and I'm going to give to this. And I think that this is the fear, and so I want to kind of get into this with point two, and we'll put this on the screen, that generosity will not lead to poverty. I think that for many of us, there's this like voice in our head that says, if I'm generous, I'm going to end up being poor. 
I'm going to end up not having the things that I really want. I'm going to end up not having the things that I really need. I'm not going to be able to purchase groceries. I'm not going to be able to put gas in my car if I'm generous. And I want to tell you that that is not the case. That's not how God's kingdom works. That's not how his faithfulness works. And this is one of the areas that he says, put me to the test on it and see that I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and meet your needs. Jesus, in this way, when Jesus was teaching and there was a massive crowd, uh, the, the estimations are like fifteen to 20,000 people there. It accounted 5,000 men. And so probably about three other people with each man, like the, the wife and kids that are there. And so well over 10,000 easily. And the people are starting to get hungry. And the disciples are like, hey, we gotta, sit, we gotta get rid of this crowd. They need to go to the villages. They need to find their, their own food. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they're like, we don't have anything. We have like five loaves of bread and two fish. This is how God's economy works. He says, okay, give, it, give me what you have and let's bless it and use it. And over 10,000 people ate all that they needed and then they had leftovers that they had to clean up. They had 12 baskets left over. And I wanna tell you, this is how God's economy works. When you step out in faith, he provides. When he calls you to do something, he equips you to do the thing that he has called you to do. And so when you see a need and you're like, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but if I do, I may not have enough. It might turn me into a poor person if I meet this need. I want to encourage you, trust that God's going to provide. Recently, my wife and I kind of had one of those moments where like, okay, we feel like we need to write an additional check to the building fund, like God has enabled us to do it, and so we just need to be a little extra generous, and so we wrote that check, and we did that, and then to our surprise, we received in the mail a check for, for the amount that we had wrote from another company that we did not expect a check from, and we were just discussing this ourselves, but my daughter overheard us discussing it. And so as we got into the car, she kind of began to prompt and like ask some questions about it. And I, I said, well, you know, this is just, this is how God is with his children. Like when he asks you to do something, he's going to give you the strength to do that thing. And if he asks you to give, he's going to provide the resources so that you can give. And his faithfulness, it just shows up time and time again. And I could see the wheels just kind of turning in her head because she had just been given $50 from her grandma. And she, she asked me unprompted, and she said, what is 10% of 50? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's, it'd be $5. Um, you, and, and she said, okay, good. And so she knew what she wanted to do because she had seen the principle uh, of the kingdom of God at work in our family. And I forgot to mention this during first service, but it was kind of a funny thing. And I, I can promise you I did not plant it because I'm way too stingy for this. But when she was cleaning her room last week, she found $40 that she didn't know that she had. But it's not that we enter this into impure motives. It's not like, oh, if God doesn't repay me, if God doesn't give me more, then I'm not gonna give anymore. That, that's not the truth because he is everything that we need. But there is this reality that he is going to continue his, to equip his children. He's going to continue to equip his church to do what he has called them to do in the place that he has planted them. And you can trust that if he shows you a need, a neighbor who needs help, they need their lawn mowed and you don't have time to do it, but you know that they need help. And so you're going to pay somebody to do it and come and mow that lawn for them. God is going to provide in your life the way that he's providing in their life because God is writing a testimony of his faithfulness in the life of the church. And so when fear creeps up, 
Answer it with faith. I want to put this quote up from Andrew Murray. He said, the world asks, what does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? This is the stewardship issue. This is the theological principle that the believer in Christ needs to grow to the point where they recognize everything that I have is not mine. It has been lent to me by God. I am a steward of these responsibilities who will one day stand accountable to his master. And so I'm going to steward these things for the kingdom of God and not for my own comfort, not for my own ego, but for the cause of Christ in my city. And so I'm not going to live in fear of missing out on something because that's not the goal. The goal is to make a difference wherever God is planted. And so we're going to take steps of action with our faith. And I believe that this principle, this kind of gap between knowing this is what I should do, like I, I, I know I should be generous, but I, I just won't take this step yet. I believe that inaction is one of the reasons so many people's faith feels dry. Why, why it feels dead and hollow because there's no, there's no steps of, of risk. There's no steps of saying, I need God to provide. There's no steps of obedience. And it's in those moments where we step out and we say, God, I need you to be in this conversation. God, I need you to be in my finances. God, I, I need you to, to, to be healing in my body because of what's going, until we're actually taking steps and asking God to work, we're not gonna see him work. And when we don't see him work, we begin to ask, God, are you even there? And he stands at the door and he knocks and he's ready to work and he's ready to show himself true. He's ready to show himself faithful, but we need to take some steps of faith in our life. And we know, and we know that like when he shows up, we celebrate as though it's the first time it ever happened. I mean, like time and time again, he shows up and he does what he says he'll do. And it's almost like I'm surprised. I shouldn't be surprised anymore. I shouldn't be surprised that he opened the door for us to have land right where we were supposed to be in our city. But I was surprised. I shouldn't be surprised that he provided $460,000 in five months. But I was surprised. Time and time again, he does it. And he will do that in your life as well. But it requires that step. It requires that risk. But here's what should motivate it all. I love science experiments, but this isn't just for a science experiment to see, will, will God do this? And I, I love steps of obedience, but I don't like forced obedience. I, I don't like seeing my kid give me a hug because I commanded them to give me a hug. I love when my kid wakes up in the morning and they, all I want to do is just like come lay in my arms because they love me. I love that. In the same way with giving, and this is the, the third section, the third point, generosity is rooted in love. The generosity that the church displays, it should grow out of our love for God. Not a sense of, oh, Pastor Paul really twisted our arm about it. He talked about the kids who needed to eat, and so I have to give. Like, that's not the obedience that we're looking for. We want generosity just like service. We want it to grow out of this natural affection because when we have a clear view of our heavenly father and we see his goodness and we see his affection and his kindness and his forgiveness, we can't help but react with a whatever you want on my life, I will do. 
If it means serving in kids' ministry, I'll serve. If it means giving financially, I'll give. If it means going somewhere and sharing the gospel, I'll go. This sense of, God, whatever you want, I will do. And generosity should not be, our, our finances should not be this segmented area of, God, you have every other part of my life except for this. When we begin to say, God, you can touch any of my area except for this. There, there's an issue. We wouldn't want a relationship with that like that. And that's not what a healthy relationship with God is like either. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna compare it to the memory because when I talk about the idea of have you fallen in love with God? Like, do you know that he's there or like are your heart and are your affections turned towards him? Some of us get that and some of us don't. Some of us, the notion of God, we understand that scientifically, like there has to be a causeless cause and it makes the most sense. And some of us, we get God like that, but we don't get God in that good heavenly father relationship that he calls us into where we'd call him Abba Father is how scripture says it, but it's a, it's a word like daddy, like there's an affection and a closeness. And you may not have that yet, but you might have had a, the, the moment in life where you fell in love with another person and there was no question of your mind if you were in love. Band, if you guys make your way up, I'm gonna to begin to wrap this thing up. I remember, and I'll pick on myself about it, but don't elbow your husband too hard if, if this is true of him too. But I know that when me and my wife were falling in love, she got something completely different from me. Like, I mean, she got poetry, like really bad poetry written to her. I mean, like, I constantly, like, just wanted to know, her to know, like, about my affections, like, how I felt, like, it, it bubbled up so much inside that it's like, I had to find different ways to express it to her. Like, all kinds of, of special dates that were planned, flowers on the regular. We mailed each other, like, real mail, like, with postage, like, we sent stuff in the mail to each other, because our falling in love was, was so passionate that it had to have expression, and there was no question in either one of our minds of is this love because it motivated us to action. Real love motivates you towards action. And when I remind you and encourage you that we are supposed to be a generous church, all of that should be rooted off of this truth that, that when I understand that God so loved me that he sent his son, his one and only son, so whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. When I see his love on display like that, I can't help but react to it. And my heart reacts to God with love that says, I have to do something. I have to say something. I have to worship and sing, even though I don't, I don't sing much. I, I, have to, I have to serve other people and I don't even really like other people. I have to do so, I have to find a way to express this love and generosity should be one of those natural areas of how our love for God gets expressed. Not giving from pressure, but giving because this love that God has put in my heart for him, it has to flow. And I'm gonna say it this way. And we'll put this up on the screen. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving. You, I can twist your arm a little bit and I'm gonna twist your arm a little bit because I so believe in what we're doing. I so believe in the needs that we need to meet, meet in our city that you might feel it because I feel this so deeply. But that's not how I want you to give. I want you to give because you've got your relationship right with God. 
And no matter what has been in your past, no matter the destructive decisions, no matter the pain that's been there, I want you to know that you have a heavenly Father who calls you home to Him. And whoever believes and confesses that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, Scripture says you will be saved. Scripture says that you become an adopted child of God. And you can enter into that relationship with Him. And so He calls you home. And that's really the heartbeat of what we do here. I don't talk about finances much. We don't, I don't even like to pass the buckets around because I don't want to distract from what God is doing in this moment because my biggest priority is, is your relationship with God right? One of the indicators of where our priorities are, if you're asking yourself, trying to figure it out, is am I generous? Not just here, but in life. Am I generous? For us, one of the practical applications that I want you to start thinking about that I want your family to talk about. If you have teenagers, teenagers, I love you because you'll, you'll bring this up. Bring this up to your parents. Um, as we celebrate Christmas, how are we honoring Christ and what we give? And what we have been able to do the last couple of years as a church and what we're going to do this year as well, we have a great relationship with Diplomat Elementary School and we can't do everything for everyone, but we can do something where God has planted us. And we, here in Lee County, the kids in school, they get breakfast and lunch for free every single day of the school, which is great that they're able to meet that need. But for the families who are really struggling, once Christmas break starts, some of those kids are going home to empty cabinets. And that's a need that I believe that we can meet as a church and we've been able to the last couple of years. And we're, we're going to again. And if you haven't been able to, I encourage you. Uh, we actually had people make a sign-up list because we didn't have a sign-up list yet and they were so passionate that they wanted to do this and so there's a sign-up list out there. But if you haven't helped deliver those groceries before, you should plan on doing that on December 17th and 18th with us. Because you've probably seen a kid get really excited about a toy before, but it does something to your heart when you see them get really excited about food in their pantry. And it puts some other things into perspective. And so we as a church, we're, we're going to commit to meet this need at Christmas time that no kid is going hungry over Christmas break within our community, that we're going to do everything that we can to meet that need. And so each of our families, I want to challenge you to decide together what can we give towards making sure that there's no hungry kids within these neighborhoods around us. And 100% of the Christmas offering is going towards that. Nothing else, just feeding families right here over Christmas break. And you can mark on your envelope, just write Christmas on it when you give. On the online app or on the website, you can drop down boxers of Christmas. Or if you text to give, you can just put the amount and Christmas next to it, and it'll go right towards that. But this, this is the heartbeat. God, we so love you that we will not stand idly by and watch our brother and sister or a child suffer. And so we're going to give sacrificially towards what we believe you've asked us to do. And we're going to trust that you provide the things that we need. And as, as mature people in our faith, say if that means that I don't get those shiny new Jordans for Christmas because I want to give towards the Christmas project, then I'll be at peace with that. Because I know my Heavenly Father will provide all that I really need. And I know that he's called me to help provide for the people around us. Let's pray. Jesus, we are thankful. Your blessings overflow in our life. 
And we celebrate what you've done in providing land here and the opportunities for the future. But Lord, set our eyes on the things right now, the areas that we have to be generous in. And allow us to step out in faith, trusting for your provision. And as you show us opportunities over these next two months with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with people that we meet along the way, where someone needs help and we have the ability to be generous and help them, help us to step out in faith and honor you because we so love you. And we know that our love is rooted in the fact that you first loved us. And we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.